from Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle? Or War Eagle. That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Brandon Marcello, and Keith Niebuhr is joining me today, recruiting expert extraordinaire uh, with Auburn Undercover. For now, we're merging with the scout site, um, but we'll have more bodies on the ground uh, running around and covering all the news for you. So a lot of stuff coming your way at AuburnUndercover.com. Uh, in the uh, coming weeks. Go to AuburnUndercover.com and go check that out. I, I wanted to open the show off, though, first, uh, Keith, uh, with the just the tragic uh, weather and storm that went through Lee County Sunday, about nine miles southeast of the heart of the Auburn University campus in Beauregard. Um, also hit Smith Station, Uh as of we're, we're recording this, 23 people dead, including three children. Um, a tornado that was leaving a destruction path that was about a mile wide and 24 miles in length. Um, just uh, it's a horrible, horrible day uh, in Lee County. And you heard the sirens going off. Um uh, Sunday and everything was moving south of here in Auburn, but Beauregard absolutely got decimated. And, uh, you know, I hear people say thoughts and prayers and all that. Uh, that's great. They definitely need that. They also need help. And I, I urge anyone who's listening to this, if you can donate whatever you can volunteer, if you can, if you're in all the Auburn area or anything like that, they need the help and uh, the outpouring of support just from what I saw in, in Auburn Monday was incredible. I mean, there were churches and um, other buildings just filled with donated items. Um, uh, my, my wife and I went to the grocery store to go buy diapers and baby formula and, uh, you know, hygiene products and Gatorade for the for the cause to ha- just to help as much as we could and while we were in the grocery store I counted at least eight other people doing the same exact thing they weren't people shopping for themselves they were obviously shopping to donate and then we went to the this drop off place to drop it off and the, the cars were in line wrapped around the building to donate and they had a large 18 wheeler just filling it up with donated items and that's one way to help these families that are homeless right now uh, over the next several months. But just the cleanup and the pictures you're seeing there and the rebuilding that's going to have to be done, it's its so sad to see. And the worst thing of all is the loss of life. And just knowing that, you know, I'm going on a little tangent here, but people talk about, you know, tornado sirens and they had, you have warning and all this, but 
when you're in a community like Beauregard where you're nine miles away from the city of Auburn and you hear the tornado sirens, you don't quite know what's coming. And then you find out what's coming is a one mile wide cloud of hell of just enormous winds of 170 miles an hour. What do you do? How do you escape that? And, uh, the simple answer to that is you probably can't. And that's what makes this so, so terrible. Not only the loss of life, but just that people probably couldn't get out if they wanted to because the storm was so large, so devastating, and came up on them so quickly. And it could have happened to anyone anywhere in the southeast on Sunday. And it really makes you think, especially when it happens close to home. So I, I beg of you, anybody listening to this, Go out and donate. Donate your time if you can to help. There's going to be plenty of opportunities. If you search for it, you'll find areas where you can donate. You can donate money through the Red Cross. You can donate money through the emergency management team at Lee County. And uh, I know, Keith, you, you did so as well with the Red Cross. Uh, I donated some items here in, in Auburn, and uh, we plan to do more. Uh, it, it's uh, just It was an absolutely devastating day uh in in lee county one in which uh, no one no one expected you know granted uh, sometimes yeah. sometimes these things uh, you know as tragic as they are do bring out the good in people but yeah uh, and, and people are going to talk a lot about that but uh you know having lived through a lot of these uh been in areas where there's been tragedies hurricanes tornadoes things like that you also have to remember you gotta you gotta remember that not only does this bring out the best people but it also brings out the worst in some people. What I mean by that is, as rebuilding efforts come, everybody has to be diligent and uh, keep an eye on their neighbors and make sure that people aren't trying to take advantage of them because there will be some people that do that. Is is It just sounds awful, Brandon, to think that people do that, but they no, do. You're and we exactly all, right. Know, we all, whether it's building contractors right down to insurance scams and things of that nature, we all got to look out for each other. And obviously, I don't live in Auburn. I live in Atlanta, but I'm in Auburn all the time. I drive these roads all the time. Lee County is my second home. Gosh, I spend a hundred nights a year there. Uh, just amazing place, amazing people. Uh, and, uh, so we're going to look out for one another and, uh, you know, so again, it's going to bring out the best, but, uh, it's going to bring in some blood suckers too. We got to make sure we root yeah. those people out and expose them. Be careful about so, that. Cause in fact, I heard, I, uh, from another reporter who's been covering this, this, this story, obviously that, uh, there was, uh, a hotel price gouging, um, raising their prices, trying to take advantage of the need for rooms, which is just despicable. I hope they get exposed if that's happening. And you're exactly right. Be on the lookout for this stuff. And if you see it, tell someone and, and expose them, especially in this in this era of social media. It'll spread like wildfire. Expose these people if they're trying to take advantage of the unfortunate. Um, and it's sad that we have to say that uh, in a situation like this. As you said, this brings out the best of people, but there are, there are these disgusting cockroaches that go through this mess as well that try to, to try to make the make the make the worst out of the worst. It's it's just a bad situation. Well, yeah, you know, Brandon, yeah, Brandon, the um, the the lower element that we're talking about, they they run their operations like like people run businesses. And they're very organized, and very structured. A lot of the time, it's not just we. It's not just some guy that's you know random scammer. So they're organized, they're prepared. They they see opportunity like this and they pounce on it. So we need to pounce on them. But yeah, it's been a horrible couple of days. It's just 
yeah, you hear about the kids. I mean, any loss of life is terrible, but goodness gracious, just the kids. But, you know, we're here to talk sports and that's, you know, and, and, and really, you know, I, I know what people are going to say, well, this puts it into perspective and all that. Well, really, we should have perspective every day of the year. Every day. Now, yeah. I, every day of the year. And I wish that was the case. You know, sports in its uh, original intent were really meant to be just something cathartic, like going to the theater. And, and it's almost become, not almost, it has become much more than that. Obviously, Brandon, you and I make great livings off sports, and I appreciate it, and I know you appreciate it. But uh, but we're here to talk about the, the, the sports, too. So it's, um, I don't know, it's, I, I you're, you're at a loss for words right now when you're you're trying to think about one thing but also cover something else and do your job. And there's a lot of people in Lee County just trying to do their jobs today but have one eye on all this other stuff. And it's difficult to concentrate. There's no question about it. Yeah, and and the one thing that's great about sports, for whatever reason, it can be that conduit in a sense that it brings people together. Sports always does. And in situations like this, one, it's a way to get away from things and let let off some steam, but also rivals and across the SEC, and you're going to see it Tuesday night with Alabama and Auburn facing off on the basketball floor, they're they're going to do something to support the, the victim's and help with the recovery uh, in Lee County. I'm told they're putting something together. They haven't quite fit finalized it by the time we've we've recorded this. But you saw in 2011 with the just massive destruction of the Tuscaloosa tornado and the tornadoes that ravaged the state in the southeast uh, on that day in 2011, um, when Gene Chizik and his football team went up to help people in Alabama. Um, Sports bring people together, and it's that common, uh, the common knowledge of what it's like to be a fan and rooting for a team that makes you want to go help the others. Um, I know that sounds so simple, but sports, in a lot of ways, one it it heals us, gets us away from the hustle and bustle of daily life. But when the worst of the worst happens, it seems like that's what we go to, and then everybody kind of comes together. We've seen it in, in tragedies across the country. Sports are like these seminal can provide a seminal moment for everybody to come together and help help rebuild. And uh, I think you're going to start seeing that Tuesday night with the with the basketball game between Alabama and Auburn uh, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Alabama's already putting some things together. Auburn's putting some plans together to help out the community. And and the big thing for Beauregard, which was really devastated, is that. This isn't something that you know is going to be a few months. This is going to be years because entire, entire community is gone uh, practically uh, in, in a certain area there in that one mile swath, and it's going to take a lot of rebuilding. A lot of families have been uprooted, and and some families are uh, just it's off. Some families are just gone. Uh, they're gone forever. So, so let's talk. Let's talk sports. Um, let's let's move on. Let's try to. You know, talk about something that gets people's minds off everything. Auburn, Auburn basketball, uh, two big wins last week. One on the road at Georgia, which Bruce Pearl just straight up said on Monday, "Hey, uh, you know, we couldn't lose that one. We might be out of the NCAA tournament." But they they escape Georgia with the win, and then they beat Mississippi State at home, which is actually their best win of the season. They were a quadrant one team a very good Bulldogs team, a team that's going to be the NCAA tournament. Now, all of a sudden, Auburn went from a team that could potentially be on the bubble to safely in the NCAA tournament, even if they lose out. But what's on the horizon here is a real distinct possibility. If Auburn can beat Alabama on the road and then come around Saturday and beat 
top five Tennessee at home in the regular season finale, Auburn could potentially be looking at improving its seeding in the in the NCAA tournament from a seven or eight or maybe nine seed to maybe a four or five seed, depending on how they finish this season. So a lot of opportunity this week for this basketball program. The bad thing for Auburn, though, is it looks like they're going to be without Austin Wiley again. He's going to miss his ninth game uh, in the SEC this season because of a lower leg injury, at least against Alabama. We'll see if he's back for Tennessee. I have my doubts. But Auburn's found other ways to score. Chumo Kiki, Anthony McLemore have certainly stepped up, Okiki especially, and Auburn continues to drain threes. They're on a record-setting pace, Keith, to uh, set the SEC record for most three-pointers made um, per game in SEC history. I believe the Kentucky team in 1990 has that record. So that that's saying something right there. But that's Auburn's strength. It's do or die with the three-pointer. And right now, um, they found some success. And I, I found this quite interesting. And I, it, it didn't sound right to me, but it's right. Since January 29th, this basketball team is 7-3. and That's one of the top records in the SEC during that stretch. And as much as people are going, oh, this team was top 10, what's happened to them? They're on the, they're knocking at the door to get back in the top 25. And depending on how this week goes, they could be a top six seed um, or one of the top six seeds in the NCAA tournament. And then if they lose out, they're still going to be in the NCAA tournament. Um, we got to get some proper perspective here, Keith, because Auburn basketball, 21, 21 seasons, They've only had 11 in their history, which is dead last in the SEC, and that includes these back-to-back ones by Bruce Pearl. So no matter how you stack it, it's been quite the story for Auburn these last couple years and this year. Well, I thought the defensive effort, the last game in particular, was excellent. You know, Uh, Ben Howland's teams have never really been known. I mean, he's a great coach. He's obviously played for an NCAA championship and I think been to at least one other Final Four. But, uh, yeah, his teams have always been really known for for low scoring defense, drag them, you know, knock them down type games. And uh, I thought Auburn really was up to the task of the day. Other than those last few minutes uh, when Mississippi State made that little run, uh, I, they were excellent on the defensive end, uh, forcing a lot of bad shots, forcing a lot of, uh, a lot of, forcing Mississippi State's guards to make difficult decisions, especially on penetration when gaps and lanes close quickly. So I thought that was a pretty good win. Uh, forget about the quadrant one stuff. I mean, just passing the eye test, I thought that was solid. And then obviously winning at Georgia, we knew that was going to be a tough game. Uh, at times, Auburn looked lost in that game. But at the end of the day, a road win, uh, the environment wasn't that great. It, was, it used to be like playing at the old Tad C. Smith Coliseum at Ole Miss, Brandon, when they were yeah, just okay. Yeah. They were just okay, and it was kind of dead in there. And because it was sort of dead in there, the visiting teams were almost always a little flat. And it was a lot to overcome. You're almost better off sometimes playing in a place that's jacked up because then the kids are jacked up. Yeah, Uh, I've I've seen a lot of teams going to that old tad pad, especially when I was growing up in Arkansas. Arkansas lost there like every year, even no matter even if they were like a Final Four team, they lose at Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean it was an unbelievably difficult place to play, mainly because the atmosphere was so bad. Every every arena in the SEC has its own character. Vanderbilt has the unique sidelines, you know, where they're behind the basket. Ole Miss was just kind of dead, you know, so. Uh, lighting's different at every place. It's, and it's, it's really always, dark at that old Tad Pat. That's right. Yeah. That's right. What well, always looks dark at, uh, at at the Coliseum over in Athens, quite frankly. Right. Uh, but that was a good win. You know, Georgia, Georgia's got some athletes. They had some momentum. They, uh, 
but that was a dagger to them that that three pointer from Chuma Okeke at the end, no doubt. But again, a win's a win on the road in the SEC. This team is just trying. Look, Brandon, you cover them day to day. I read your stuff and I watch the games. I'm not talking to them. I'm not looking in their eyes. I'm not interviewing Bruce. But from a perspective of what do you need to do this time of year, you've got to by now you've got to know what you have, okay? And and that's been difficult for Auburn because of the the uh, inconsistent health of Austin Wiley. So it's difficult to understand what matchups you have, what li- excuse me, what lineups you have. Um, so that's been very difficult for Auburn. It must be just mind numbing to the coaching staff trying to figure out combinations that work and don't work when one of your best guys, is he going to be here? Or is he not going to be here? So I think you have to start giving a little bit more credit to Auburn. I was poo-pooing them a couple weeks ago, Brandon, and now I'm sort of coming around thinking about the obstacles, but also looking at the national landscape and looking at potential number one seeds in Gonzaga and Virginia, for example, who are very good teams, but I wouldn't say they're unbeatable. And I yeah, wouldn't I, say I, agree Auburn, with that. I wouldn't say Auburn couldn't beat those teams. Now, uh, the two things with Gonzaga, they win a lot of their conference games by 15, 20 points. And you think, well, if they're number one in the country and they're playing in that, in that conference, why aren't they winning by 30 or 40? And I think it's familiarity. I think those schools know them. And I think that has something to do with it. But you know, Gonzaga's always sort of an enigma because, you know, once the second half of the season rolls around, they're not playing anybody that we're all familiar with. And so you don't really know what they have. And there's a reason why I think they've only made the final four once, even though they've had some ultra talented teams. And maybe they haven't been tested as much during the regular season. Virginia obviously struggled with an athletic Maryland Baltimore County team in the NCAA tournament last year. So Virginia is awesome. And their coach is unbelievable. Yeah. But athletically, athletically, Brandon, wouldn't you say an Auburn could stick with them? Now, I'm not, look, Auburn could also lose by 25. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I don't think it's this this obstacle that's as tall as the Empire State Building anymore. I really don't. So if no. Auburn can win some games, get some momentum, start feeling better about itself, and then get decent matchups in the NCAA tournament, you know who knows what could happen. I I, I think Sweet 16 may be the cap. At least that's what I thought, you know. Yeah. yeah. Then again, then I started taking a closer look at some of these other teams inside the top ten. I thought, you know, well, Michigan and Michigan State, which have been in and out of the top ten all season, they have some bad losses, each of them. So, you know, Auburn's played a competitive schedule. Uh, you know, they're going to play Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU. I mean, you know, a fair enough amount of good teams and a pretty decent non-conference schedule to think that they're fairly battle-tested. I'd like to see them win one of these last two in the regular season, though. Yeah, uh, I agree frankly. with that. that, that, would, that I, would, I would feel a little bit more confident with an assessment that this is a Sweet 16 or potentially better type of team. Right. Because, you know, Alabama's very good and very good at home. Yeah. And then Tennessee, obviously, is Tennessee. I could I could see this team like losing at Alabama by double digits and then beating Tennessee at home, which technically Tennessee's the better team. But um, it's actually th- these two games are kind of bad matchups for Auburn uh, coming up. Of course, Auburn beats you know Alabama by twenty at home. They're hot shooting. Of course, Auburn's just a hot shooting team at home. We all know that, uh, except for whenever they play Ole Miss for whatever reason, because Kermit Davis is just a heck of a coach defensively. But you know, Auburn on the road, it's been an issue no matter who they've faced. Other than Georgia in the first half, they scored 50 points at Georgia, but then it kind of came back and bit them in the second half. They couldn't quite get their offense going. And I think this basketball team for Auburn, they're preparing. They know what they are now, and I don't believe they are going to try and change that up at all by putting Austin Wiley back out there for 10 to 15 minutes even if he is healthy, which he, I don't think he will be by the end of the season. 
I, from, from just talking to people, it sounds like that they have developed what they've wanted. They're trying to get better at it and they feel good about their lineup that they have. They just can't afford more injuries. And with the emergence of Chuma Okiki and Anthony McLemore playing a little bit better offensively, they've become a little bit of a different team than they were in the first half of the season. They're hitting more mid-range jumpers by, with Chuma. They're not afraid to give the ball to Chuma. They're designing plays for Chuma. They're in, they're installing things every week that we haven't seen, whether it's inbound plays or just different sets, that they're taking advantage of different strengths. And without Austin Wiley, he's not involved. And if he comes back, he's going to be a square peg trying to go into a round hole. And my, my belief from talking to folks is, is that um, – this team is going to play at its best without Austin Wiley, and that's how they're preparing the rest of the way. And I don't think they believe that having Austin Wiley back would make them a better team per se. So um, opportunities await Alabama and Tennessee, and then, of course, the SEC tournament. Auburn could still get a double bye by finishing fourth in the SEC. They're tied with four other teams for fourth in the SEC entering this week. It'll be interesting to watch. Auburn number 20 in the net rankings, which is what the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee looks at to help out with their seeding. Auburn's in good health there. Um, but as Keith said, I think I would like to see them beat one of these last two opponents to really give you a good feel of, okay, this team can compete, um, but especially because, as we know, at the SEC Tournament and the NCAA Tournament, it's a neutral site. Auburn hasn't played a neutral site since, of course, the Maui Invitational but Auburn, you know, they're not great on the road. They're not even really good on the road. How do they perform when they're, say, they have to go play at Kentucky or something in the SEC tournament? We've already seen what happened to them on the road against Kentucky. What happens if they get a number eight seed, win their first round game, and then have to play a number one Virginia or a number one, you know, North Carolina or something like that? Uh, that could be asking for trouble. But Auburn can shoot its way out of a lot of holes because of its three-point shooting from Jared Harper and Bryce Brown, and and this team is is on pace to potentially be, be you know break the SEC record uh, for three pointers in a season that was set, I believe, in 1990. It's incredible by Kentucky. Uh, so uh, Keith, football recruiting, I didn't follow it too much this weekend, so I'm just going to leave it with this question: What's going on with recruiting? Yeah, by the way, thanks for calling me recruiting expert extraordinaire. All that. That, that, the tra- for, for those that don't know, that's trans- that, that translates into, thank God this guy covers this stuff so I don't have to. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, you got, look, you're, you're, get the, uh, you're covering the team, I cover the recruiting, and, and you love covering the team, and I love covering recruiting. It's perfect. It's perfect because I think it fits both of our skill sets. You know what I mean? But uh, what happened is, you know, Auburn had another big junior day. That's two weekends in a row. Uh, and, uh, look uh, – you know, Auburn is making – look, they got seven commitments right now for 2020. And they are – I think they've surprised the fans a little bit, Brandon, in the sense that the amount of big-time prospects that have been on campus the last two weeks. Uh, I think that people think, well, you know, Gus Malzahn was almost forced out in November, December. This is just going to be a terrible recruiting year. But you have to remember, and we brought this up before, and you know this, and people that follow recruiting, you know, Gus Malzahn's worst recruiting class is number 12 since he's been at Auburn. Uh, five of the seven classes have been in the top 10. They know how to recruit, but not not only that, they know how to recruit with a cloud of uncertainty hanging over them. They're experts at it. 
you know, last cycle, it didn't hit until the end of the cycle. And by then Auburn's class was sort of, you know, 90% put together. But the two previous cycles, Brandon, there was a lot of uncertainty about Gus Malzahn's future throughout the course of the year. And Auburn put together one top 10 class and another class that just missed. So they are, they, they've adapted to this. These guys know what they're doing. Uh, Auburn's in a great location to get kids to visit. Uh, on Friday, they had a five-star linebacker, Justin Flo, the number three recruit in the country. And he's out of California and he visited. Now, he also visited Georgia, Clemson, and Tennessee on the same trip. But, you know, that's no small effort to get there. They're doing things the right way. They're, they're, they, uh, I feel like, you know, somebody asked me about this on the board last week, Brandon. I haven't been feeling good, so I didn't give a good answer uh, on our message board. They said, is Auburn recruiting a little bit differently this cycle? And, and I said, no, nah, it doesn't seem like it. But in retrospect, it does seem like it. They're, I think they're attacking certain positions, namely linebacker and offensive line, with a little bit more um, – uh, a little bit more, of, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, a little more energy this cycle, a lot more offers now. You take a look at the linebacker position. You know, Auburn uh, locked in on Owen Pepo early last year, and their other main targets were all big-name guys. Those guys all went elsewhere, and Auburn was sort of left with not much else out there. Now, they lucked out landing Octavius Brothers late. Um, and uh, But, you know, really, it wasn't an ideal situation. This year, they've got four-star Demore Kennedy out of Theodore, Alabama, down in the southern part of the state. He's already committed. He's an outstanding player. They might take up to three more. Well, it, they're not only going after the top guys, but they're going after guys, maybe the next tier guys that also can play. And a lot of these guys are going to be in the NFL. A lot of offers out, a lot of early evaluations, a lot of visits made to see those kids in January. And now the kids are visiting Auburn. Auburn leads for a handful of linebackers right now, Brandon. They are in a much better position than a year ago. In fact, they're in the position now where they're going to be able to turn people away. So that was significant. So who are some of the big names that visited this weekend? I think none is probably bigger than Philip Webb, a four-star linebacker from the metro Atlanta area, same high school that produced Garrett Brown. Um, outstanding players. Dad went to Auburn. He visited this weekend with some other family members. Auburn, Clemson, Georgia, maybe Alabama in that one. But Auburn certainly, I think people think, is maybe the team in the best spot right now. It's a big linebacker, 6'3", 6'3 220 pounds. So they're in good shape with them. You know, another position, Brandon, is defensive line, okay, because you got to win every year. It's not just, oh, this year it's a priority. Every year the defensive line's a priority. But when Rodney Garner had, has really needed to kill it in that class, in that cycle, he has. And last year's cycle was very important, but so is this one on the defensive line because you're losing so many guys from, you know, from the 2019 team. Nick Coe will probably be gone, Marlon Davidson, Derek Graff. So you got some guys the last cycle, but now you need more guys. And uh, some of these guys will be asked to play next year. And one of the big-name guys that visited this weekend is a kid named Will Anderson out of uh, Hampton, Georgia, Dutchtown High School. Top 100 recruit. Credit Auburn for another great early evaluation. Uh, quite frankly, they early evaluate as well as just about anybody. They had him high on the board a year ago. He was a three-star kid. Just last week, he got bumped up to a high four-star top 100 recruit. Auburn, FSU, Bama, maybe Georgia Tech are the top teams. Another recruit told me, hey, look, I think Auburn's getting this kid. I think the kid told me I wanna, I, I'm leaning toward Auburn right now. So Rodney Garner looks to be having a big class. Now, um, a position where they didn't have anybody on campus, Brandon, that everybody wants to know about is the quarterback position. And this one, they're keeping a little bit close to the vest. And, and there's a couple reasons why. For starters, the main guy is a kid named Haynes King out of Cal out of excuse me out of Texas. He was a three star when Auburn started recruiting him, and people moaned and groaned on the board, Brandon, as they always do. I love him, but you know, they, they if a guy's not rated high, they're not as interested. Well, 
Lo and behold, he wins the state title in one of the bigger classifications in Texas. He's now a top 50 national recruit, and his stock is soaring. In fact, uh, your alma mater, Arkansas, is a team certainly on the move with him, Brandon. Uh, but Auburn is in, is in a, a okay spot with him. It's going to be tough to land him after having gotten heralded quarterback Bo Nix the last cycle. But he's the number one target. Look for him to visit in the next couple of months. But after him, we don't have a ton of names. And I think the new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, Kenny Dillingham, probably likes it that way because, you know, this is a weird cycle. It's going to be hard to bring in back-to-back big-name quarterbacks. Again, you got Bo Nix the last cycle. Other guys might be scared off of that. Uh, so Auburn is working guys behind the scenes, I'm told, in various states, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, trying to uh, build these relationships. So if it doesn't work out with Haynes King, the kid we just mentioned, then they'll be in prime position to land one of these other guys. But they don't want other schools. They don't want to tip them off. I think I think one of the benefits of being good early evaluators, Brandon, is Auburn gets in on kids early that are very talented. One of the downsides of that is a lot of people piggyback off your evaluations and come in and say, well, our situation's a little better than their situation, and they end up getting a lot of these guys. But now, all in all, it was a good weekend for Auburn. Over a dozen four-stars visited. Uh, Mitchell Mays is a big-time uh, uh, offensive lineman from Raleigh, North Carolina, who visited. Uh, gosh, I mean, uh, Michael Redding, a four-star receiver from Bradenton, Florida's IMG. He visited. He says, yes, Auburn's a contender. They're getting, uh, they're getting an official visit, and that's significant, Brandon, because Cadillac Williams is one of his high school coaches in the past. So he has a relationship with him. That helps. Uh, another big one, Trenton Simpson, uh, a linebacker out of North Carolina. I hope I'm getting his name right here. Uh, I've got so much, so many names in my head. Uh, he grew up in Columbus, Georgia, of all places. Dad was in the military, stationed at Fort Benning, lived there for 12 years. He's 6'2", 220 now, top 150 <coughs> national recruit. And he says, oh, I'm going to visit Auburn again. They're getting an official visit. So Auburn's very much in the hunt with him. Things are going fairly well right now. Great quarterback names, Haynes King and Bo Nix. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's just... Well, you know, and Haynes King's a great player and uh, a dual threat, but really a guy like Bo Nix with an arm first, but also yeah. can run. But again, the question is, you know, would he be comfortable coming to an Auburn? Now, if he was a three-star guy and wasn't a heralded guy, but now everybody's just going to jump on him. And I don't know, he's gotten so much attention. It's a little bit tricky. Now, the other quarterback people keep asking about is Robbie Ashford, four-star out of Hoover, Alabama dual threat guy you know we thought he said in january hey auburn and georgia are my two leaders we now don't project him to end up at either school georgia landed the kid out of florida uh, carson beck the other day uh, and auburn seems to have prioritized other guys a little bit more uh you know it's, we've had people on the board say various reasons why look i'm not going to get into all that I, he's a pleasant kid uh, i've never had a bad thing uh, he's never been anything other than first class with me but you know sometimes a, a new offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham has his own ideas of what he's looking for in consultations with Gus Malzahn. And that may be significantly different than what Chip Lindsay, that the former OC wanted. So sometimes it's just a matter of that. I think people try to bring and dig too deep into these things. <coughs> you know what I mean? But uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, Auburn's quarterback situations, it's going to be a tough cycle. Let's put it that way. Uh, if they could land a Haynes King, that would be the home run. But uh, re- more realistically, it's probably going to be easier to get somebody else, quite frankly. Be interesting to watch. Uh, quarterback's always interesting, no matter what. But as you said, with it, a lot's going to depend on what happens. I think in the first month or two of this upcoming season, as far as what Bo Nix is doing, is he the, is he the starting quarterback? And looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback for three years or more. Or is Malik Willis starting? And something's going on there. It'd be interesting. 
um, just see how it impacts not only a year or two a year from now, but also two years from now, they're recruiting at the quarterback position. Um, Hey, the NFL combine was this past weekend and ended, I think Monday. Um, I think the NFL combine's a lot, a waste of time. <laughs> uh, Keith, to be quite honest, um, yeah. especially yeah, when agree. it comes, especially when it comes to being a college reporter, if you go up there, there's 50 guys surrounding a player and they just, they don't say anything uh, because they're there for the job interviews with these NFL teams. And then the NFL teams ask them stupid questions. Like I saw where one player was asked if he had both of his testicles. I mean, what kind of question is that? What, what answer are you expecting to get out of a player from that? And what does that serve? Anyway, uh, a combine is just such a waste of time, but I'm sorry to interrupt. I kind of agree with you in the sense that one of the things I think is kind of funny is your Montez sweat. You know, if you watched even a single game this year, you knew he was fast, but when right. he ran his four, four, two, the other day, you would have thought it was, uh, it was this earth shattering, no you kidding. know, yeah. Man bites dog news story. And it's like, you know, <laughs> look, I mean, four, four, two, don't, don't get me wrong. I didn't know he was that fast. But I saw enough of him this past season by watching three or four Mississippi State games to know, you know, that guy's pretty fast off the edge. And, and so it's just – it's that part. You know, Jamel Dean runs a 4-3. Well, yeah, we already knew it was pretty fast. I mean, it, I mean, the guy's got track times from high school. He's not going to get slower. I mean, so I don't know. That, that part exactly. of it is kind of amusing to me. Yeah, um, and that's my whole thing, especially these skill position guys. Like I see people going, well, this guy could really help his draft stock. This quarterback could really help his draft stock. And it's like – how he's in underwear throwing against air. How has that replaced what he did on game film over the last three or four years? I, I, I never, I never, I've never understood that, especially at these skill positions at receiver and quarterback on offense and even cornerback um, uh, on defense. Um, but then it, it, but the sexy part of the whole thing is a 40 yard dash, you know, Jamel Dean uh, for Auburn ran a 4.3, and for a couple hours it was the fastest time at the NFL Combine this year. And then he was beat out by, I think it was Zedric? What was his name? Zedric Woods. He had the Ole Miss safety. He got a 4.29. So Jamel Dean, the second fastest player at the NFL Combine this year. He's actually the fastest player from Auburn at the NFL Combine since at least 1999. I know everybody's going to go, well, Bo Jackson ran a 4.1. Okay, all right, calm down. Um, but at least since 1999 when the NFL Combine started really keeping track of its numbers and building a database up. So a heck of a time. But what's interesting was well, a couple of things interesting about him. But uh, it's been said by players on the team that Dean's maybe the second or third fastest guy that was on the team last year. And the fastest guy might be Javaris Davis or Anthony Schwartz or Sean Shivers. Schwartz and Shivers, of course, both freshmen. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys run uh, in the coming years. But Dean, uh, certainly a guy who was already a high-round draft pick and someone who's had an incredible story, as we know, Keith, went to Ohio State. They declared him medically ineligible because of an injured knee. Dr. James Andrews took a look at it said, no, nah, you're fine. You can play football. Came to Auburn had a pretty good career and you got to cover him during the recruiting process and, and to see him do what he's, do, he's doing now after what Ohio state did to him, uh, is quite remarkable, especially considering, well, you know, as we were talking off the air, uh, the Buckeyes could have used him this year in their secondary. <laughs> you know, I think, I think I'm, a, I'm just going to be honest. I think this was maybe a situation. 
I don't know. I don't know for this for fact in any way. I'm just kind of stretching this one out. I mean, it almost felt like Ohio State just didn't want the kid. That's what you think because multiple schools evaluated him, said he was okay. So what did they see? What did their doctors see that James Andrews, who's one of the most noted orthopedic surgeons in the world, uh, that he didn't see? So that part just is kind of mind-boggling in a sense. So happy for him, obviously, you know, covered his recruitment. If my memory's right, I think T. Rob, Traveris Robinson, and Will Muschamp had a lot to do with him, uh, with him ending up at Auburn, and uh, you know, and then he got hurt at Auburn. So you know, it's kind of a real success story. You have to be happy for him. He's got a lot to learn. He's got a lot of growing to do in terms of just being a better defensive back. I still think Brandon, he gave up far too many uh, plays for a guy with his ability. Uh, but um, but he, he's got ability, and he, you know, you can't coach that speed, the acceleration, all that. Oh, yeah. And he's got great. He's got great size too. He's got great size. He's got he's the total package. But back to what you were saying earlier about the evaluations. Could you imagine drafting a quarterback or 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 really changing your opinion of a quarterback based on what they did at a combine? And That's and people silly. ask us the same. Yeah, people ask us recruiting people the same questions. Well, you know, Bo Nix looks great in shorts, but how does he look on Friday nights? And you know, obviously, colleges want to know what they time at camps. They want to know do they really measure in what they what they say they are in terms of height and weight and all that stuff, but. You know, ultimately, it comes down to does a guy have it or not have it at the quarterback position? And yeah, you can't determine. Yeah. That. You can't determine that at a combine. More or less, I think the combine just, if anything, and if the NFL teams are looking any further than what I believe it is, it's just for confirmation of what they've seen on game film. <laughs> that sounds um, about right. I I hope it's not them going. You know what? That guy's faster than I thought he was, or he threw the ball faster, you know, than I thought. He has better release than I thought he had. No, that that doesn't change from the end of a season after they've played for three or four years in, in college. I just never quite understood that. Um, I, I I've covered it two or three times as a college writer, and I always kind of thought it was a waste of my own time to be up there because we weren't getting anything interesting out of it, and the players were there for job interviews more or less. And like I said, even those job interviews are crazy because they're being asked some of the weirdest questions. And the medical process could take forever. I'm sure Jamel Dean was poked and prodded in that knee over and over again because they test and stress test and stress yeah. test former injuries to see if you're okay. And uh, it, go ahead. I was going to say, it almost seems like you can hurt yourself more than you can help. Yeah. Well, guys come out you of that I mean? completely. Well, guys come out of that, that, that weekend. Someone ought to do a story on this. So guys come out of that weekend completely wasted just completely worn yeah. out and yeah. and they take breaks because as i said one physically they have to go through all this stuff and medically they have to be poked and prodded and like i said they're pretty much giving, pushing them through stress tests and then mentally i mean they're going through all these weird questions and long meetings and everything and, and when that's all done they're they're just ready to hit the sack and get away from everything for a little bit so that's why when you know like, for example, Auburn's going to have its pro day later this week. You know, none of those guys are going to want to run the 40-yard dash again if they've already ran it. And people go, well, why not? Because their, their their time will probably be faster because a lot of guys are using stopwatches. And I go, because they, they prepared for months to run on a specific day and date at the NFL Combine. Their bodies will not be in the best of, say, not shape, but best of uh, condition to run the 40-yard dash for a second time in one week. Um, it's just not how it works. Athletes have to, 
I mean, they it's it's down it's an exact science nowadays. Like I'm yeah. ramping up my body for this day, and this is how we're going to hit it, and to, and to do it later in the week. You know, I don't expect a lot of these guys. I don't expect Jamel Dean to run the forty yard dash at Auburn's pro day, for example. But uh, there are others who didn't run the forty yard dash that were at the NFL Combine who will run it at Auburn's Pro Day because they believe that's when they would get a better number and press more scouts, and that's what they've been training their bodies for, to hit that date on March 8th. So we'll have more coverage of that later this week. We'll see what's going on. I'm interested to see how many players are there, if any players from any surrounding schools will be there too. Uh, Lastly, here on the podcast, I want to talk just briefly about baseball. Baseball swept Cincinnati this weekend, as most of you know. They moved up to number 17, the Baseball America rankings, I don't follow baseball too closely. Pretty good, of course. Uh, Tanner Burns, Jake Owen, uh, just incredible on the mound this past weekend against Cincy, just striking out people left and right. It was incredible, hitting double digits. Uh, Some good, good stuff from them. Auburn moves up in the rankings, but, man, the SEC, as we always know, is loaded in baseball. Vanderbilt's number one, and they've got several teams in the top ten, several teams above Auburn in those top 25 rankings. But, you know, from talking to people that know much more about this baseball team and this program than me, they believe this is the team that's finally going to get to a super regional. Uh, they've got, they got, seem, they, they seem to have the hitting they didn't quite have last season, and they definitely have the pitching, as we've seen this past weekend. But we'll see. They have a, several more non conference games this week, going into the week after that. And then SEC play will be right around the corner. I believe they open with Tennessee here in just a couple of weeks. So uh, that's when you start, you know measuring up and seeing how you fit in the SEC race and everything. But it looks Auburn's in pretty good shape uh, on the baseball diamond. Softball uh, coming came back from California. They knocked off number 20, Oregon. They were set to play, uh, I believe, number two. I think they're number two in the country, UCLA. It got rained out, believe it or not. It rains in California. It's incredible. I know. Got rained out, so Auburn flew back. Uh, a good win for them against Oregon. Uh, they didn't beat, I think it was Washington, number five or so in the country. They didn't beat them, but it was a closer game. Uh, it, this team might be a little bit better than what we first thought because they, they lost some games early their season that we were just like, oh, boy, this team may be going back to the pre-Clint Myers days. But they got a lot of fight in them, and it certainly looks like they are very much deserving of a top 25 ranking right now, and who knows what's going to happen in the SEC. So with that – any, anything else you want to add, Keith? Otherwise, I'm yeah, just wrapping I, I up. Would, well, I would say, well, you know, the baseball team did make the Super Regional last year, came close to the World Series. I think I think the thing you have to like about this team is, you know, when you study the history of SEC baseball, there's there's cycles, just like with college baseball. It's some some eras, the, the scores are very high and some they're very low. And I like right now that Auburn, this is kind of an era that's got good pitching. And I like that Auburn's got the staff full of good pitchers. Now, Obviously, keeping them all healthy is going to be key. And one of the one of the big ones, Daniel, hasn't been healthy. Uh, I, I guess of late, if I've been reading these things correctly. But if you yeah, have, he's going to be he's going to be out a while. If, yeah, yeah. If, if you can if you can get him back and get him one hundred percent, you're going to have a chance in every weekend series. Okay, all three games, you're going to have a chance. And also, because you have guys that can go deep uh, into the innings, you're going to limit the bullpen innings, and that's going to make you more effective Saturday and Sunday. Okay, and it's also going to allow you to do things in midweek games as well. Test, yeah. If a guy doesn't pitch during the weekend, let's say you could throw him on a Wednesday uh, to see to see. Hey, let's see what this guy's got. Okay, maybe this guy is going to be our fourth pitcher 
in one of those wacky regionals where you, there's rain and the schedule changes and a starting pitcher goes two innings and a storm comes in and you can't throw them again. So you right. need options on the mound. The more arms, the better. That gives you so many chances to win games. It keeps you in every game. You do not have to be a great hitting team. You can hit 275 if you have timely hitting and good pitching. Okay, So Auburn, as it continues to progress as a, at, at the plate, they know that they've got these great pitchers. Again, keep them healthy throughout the season. The confidence grows. Your bullpen uh, is not used, um, overused. And really, you know, they're going to have a fighting chance against just about anybody. Then it just comes down to, uh, you know, strong as the SEC is getting in a right matchup in a regional. And yeah. then if you can get to a super regional. I mean, they were, look, they were very close to getting to the World Series last year. That's the next logical step. Yeah. This coach this coach has proven to be uh, one of the great hires uh, of, of the last, you know, couple yeah, decades. Butch, so Auburn, Butch, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Butch Thompson was a guy I, I covered at Mississippi State. I mean, he's a former pitching coach. It's all he's done. And he's got he's got 17 pitchers on the staff, by the way, uh, 16 of them healthy, I guess. But he's built this roster up around pitching and, and as you said, timely hitting. And uh, the day, you know, when they hired Sonny Galloway, I, I kept thinking they need they should either hire Butch Thompson away from Mississippi State because Thompson had connections already to the the Auburn and the Alabama area, having played uh, here in the state and also coached in this state, but also. Uh, He's just done. He did a miraculous job at Mississippi State with the pitching staff. He's the reason why they were going to super regionals in the College World Series and then finishing as a national runner-up um, because of the pitching that he pieced together there. And you're starting to see that a little bit now at Auburn. But uh, Auburn went ahead and hired Sonny Galloway anyway, and then they got in a lawsuit. Well, look, you know, <laughs> you know, Casey might exactly Casey Mai is going number one in the draft last year. It's yeah. going to be something, regardless of whether he makes it to the majors or not. That is going to be such a useful tool on the recruiting trail, uh, and and it's going to really allow Butch Thompson to expand his recruiting footprint uh, because you know all of a sudden kids in other states are going to say, you know, <laughs> number one draft pick. This is a pitching guy, okay? And and so again, the model right now is the teams that are winning championships have these ridiculous pitching staffs and uh, Auburn it really fits that mold. And we'll see the Tanner birds or something else. I'll tell you what, I mean, they've got him for another season after this year too. So that guy's um, uh, he's a, uh, you're talking about a guy that if he keeps it up now, again, we're stepping into Phillips domain here, obviously, but I mean, yeah. just looking at the numbers and looking at what this guy does and his composure and uh, you know, he's looking like a guy that's really going to be just you know, an all American, if not this year, but certainly next year. I mean, he's a special talent. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Absolutely. Uh, as I said, non-conference game is still coming up, but in a couple of weeks, SEC play uh, around the corner, uh, three-game series with Tennessee already coming up. Uh, I couldn't believe that. And by the way, when I mentioned the Super Regional thing, what I what I meant was they would host a Super Regional this year. They would be in that type of conversation instead of having to go to a, like a NC State and win the Regional there and then go to Florida and nearly beat Florida in the Super Regional last season and ended in heartbreak there with the the ball bouncing uh, out of the park. But anyway, so that's going to do it. Make sure and visit AuburnUndercover.com for much more coverage. Exciting times ahead as we start the merger with Inside the Auburn Tigers and add more add more staff members to the site. It's going to be some really good stuff. we got some good stuff in store. I hope if you're not already a member that you sign up and do so quickly. For Keith, I'm Brandon. See you down the road.
No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. Auburn Undercover.